I have a question for you this morning. How many of you love to cook? How many of you love to be associated with somebody who loves to cook? Because you love to eat. How about this? How many of you would love to be a really, really good cook? Okay, how does that happen? What do you need if you want to be a really good cook? Okay, you need some good food, right? You need some good recipes, and you need a good, start, a good cook, a teacher, right? Okay, you need a teacher, somebody who can show you how to be a great cook. Or how about this? Let's say that you want to take really stunning photographs. What do you need to be a great photographer? You need a good camera and you need a good teacher. You need a good, it's like YMCA. You need a good teacher. Right, we're going to get this. Okay, stay with me here. Uh, let's say that you're a, a teenager and you really want that little piece of paper that will allow you to drive, your driver's license. What do you need if you want to learn how to drive a car? You need a car. That's good. What else do you need once you get in the car? You need somebody that has nerves of steel. <laughs> you need a patient parent. You need a, a really good teacher, right? Or what about this? Let's say that, man, you would just love to be a great singer. What do you need to be a great singer? A great voice. And you need a great teacher. All right. So I know you're going to get this, this question right. What do you need to live in this less than perfect, broken, fallen world? Yeah, you need a teacher. And today we're starting a new series called The Teacher Who Changed the World. And who would that be? It is Jesus himself. And what we're going to be doing in these weeks leading up to Easter is looking at a number of topics that Jesus taught about. And these are both practical topics and very important in our lives. We're going to be addressing what Jesus taught about faith, what he taught about failure, what Jesus taught about the value of people, what he taught about the cost of following him. Today we're going to dive into this topic, what Jesus taught about telling the truth. Now I'd like to introduce the topic this morning with a story that it took a little while for first service to get this story. I think you're going to do better. All right, I have faith that you're going to get the story. Here it goes. A man was stopped on a beach by a wildlife officer and told that he was being fined for taking lobsters without a license. What do you mean, the man said? I didn't break the law. These two lobsters are my pets. I'm just taking them for a walk. You don't really expect me to believe that, do you? Asked the wildlife officer. It, it's, it's true, protested the man. I bring them down here to the beach. They go in for a swim, and when I whistle, they come right back. Really, said the officer. Well, let's see it then. So the man throws the lobsters into the water, and off they swim. Okay, says the officer. Now let's hear you whistle for your lobsters to come back. Lobsters, says the man. What lobsters? <laughs> I knew it. Okay, good. You guys are fully awake. Great, great job. Hey, listen, the title of today's message is The Truth, The Whole Truth, and Nothing But the Truth. And today we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about this topic. And we're going to consider some verses in a very well-known sermon that Jesus delivered. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Do you know why it's called the Sermon on the Mount? Because it took place on a mount. It took place on a mountainside. It's really that straightforward. But this sermon is, is really about how we can have an entirely different kind of life when we actually take what Jesus taught and put it into practice in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at a section of this sermon 
And Jesus is going to do this. He's going to address the importance of telling the truth, and he's going to talk about something that I think most of us are familiar with, taking an oath. And of course, the reason that somebody takes an oath, like if you're in a courtroom and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, the reason you take an oath is so that people can be sure you're telling what? Telling the truth. Now notice what Jesus said. This is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. If you've got one of those brown Bibles that we provided, this is on page 786. Jesus says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And Jesus goes on, and he says this, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now in just a few moments, we're going to dive into exactly what Jesus was teaching. But I want to do this. I want to point out a very important principle about truth-telling and about the teaching of Jesus. And it's on your outline. It says this. The goal of Jesus' teaching is the transformation of the human heart. The reason Jesus wants us to learn is because when we actually do what he says, it changes our hearts, it changes our lives. Now look at these words from Mark's Gospel. These people... Now, let me just back up for a minute. This is actually a quote from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. These people, referring to the people in the Old Testament, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are where? They're far from me. You can just go through the motions of worshiping God, but your heart's someplace else. He says, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Now, what Jesus does, he applies this Old Testament verse to the people of his day. And he says, look, you're just going through the motions. You're so focused on the rules and church, this is really important. When Jesus comes to our world, he's not just giving us a new set of rules to live by. He's giving us teaching to follow that transforms the human heart. Now, here's, here's something to, to remember about Christianity. That the Christian faith is not primarily a list of things that you have to do or can't do. Christianity is about a relationship with a God who loves you and a God who wants to change you by changing your heart. Now, now think about this. In your life, there are certain things you ought to do. Isn't that true? There are other things that you want to do. And when the things that you ought to do are not the same as the things that you want to do, there is this conflict inside your heart. For example, think about forgiveness. Does God say you ought to forgive people who hurt you? Nod your head if you think he does. He does, by the way. Okay, so that's what we ought to do. Do you always want to forgive people who hurt you? If you're honest, you're probably doing this. No. And so sometimes there is this conflict in our heart between what we ought to do, and we know it, but we really don't have this desire to do it. Now, here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is clearly telling us some things that we ought to do. He talks about worry. He says, hey, you ought not to worry. He talks about anger. And he says, here's what you ought to do when it comes to handling sexual temptation. But his goal is much deeper than just telling us what we ought to do. Because this sermon that Jesus delivered is about who we can become when we take the 
teaching of Jesus and actually put it into practice. And the person that Jesus wants you to become is somebody who does what you ought to do because you want to do it. So that there isn't this conflict in your heart. And this is, this is something that applies to every single one of us because this is, this is universally true. In the long run, we do what we want to do. In the long run, we do what we want to do. Now, don't misunderstand. This is really important. In the short term, as we grow in Christ, as God changes our heart, there are things that we, we ought to do, and, and we know that. We may not feel like doing them, but we do it anyway. And what happens is as we do that, as we step into this path of obedience, God changes our hearts. But if that heart change doesn't happen, then we end up doing things just because we feel obligated to do them, because we ought to do them. And when that's the case, when your heart isn't changing, it is so easy to slide right back into old patterns of thinking and behavior. And that's why Jesus' goal is not just to give us a list of rules, a list of things we ought to do. What is his goal? What is the goal of his teaching? What's that point in your outline? It is the transformation of the human heart. Transformation of the human heart. Now, of course, that begs the question, well, what's wrong with my heart? Why does it need to be transformed? And here's the answer. The human heart needs to be transformed because it is... It is not okay. Your heart is not okay. Your heart and my heart is deceitful. Now, this is, this is interesting. There was an advertising agency called the Leo Burnett Agency, and they did this nationwide telephone survey about lying. And they cataloged all of the results. Here's some uh, top um, observations from that survey. Did you know that 91% of Americans confess that they regularly tell lies? They confessed, 91%. 79% had given out false phone numbers or invented new identities when meeting strangers on airplanes. So the next time you fly, <laughs> don't necessarily believe the person who's sitting next to you. And listen to this. One out of every five people admitted that they couldn't get through even one day without going along with a previously manufactured lie. Wow. Now what about this? What do you think we lie about the most? Here's your options. Income, age, or weight. Number one is weight. Yeah. Number two is income, and number three is age. And here's what I found not only interesting, but really kind of disturbing about the survey. It's the fact that in our culture, we don't get too upset about lying. I mean, we hear news reports all the time, don't we? About evidence tampering, about political corruption, about fake news. And it's almost like we're, we're numb to this fact that a lot of people just aren't really invested in telling the truth. It's like one person said, those who think it's okay to tell white lies soon become colorblind. The fact is that we should not be surprised when people lie to us. We should be sad, but not surprised. And here is why. This is a verse from the book of Jeremiah. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. And notice this, I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. God knows our hearts much, much better than we do. And he says this, we all have this heart that leads us away from his purpose and away from his plan. We have hearts that are deceitful. And we know that people are prone to be less than truthful, and we find that out at an early age. Think about kids. 
when they want to know that an adult is telling them the truth, what do they ask us? It's a universal question. Do you promise? If you're a mom or a dad, your kids have asked you that. Do you promise? Because if you promise, the assumption is you've got to be telling me the truth. And of course, when little kids want you to believe them, what do they say? I promise. I promise it's true. And if they really, really want you to believe them, they add some, some darker elements. I promise, cross my heart and hope to die? Seriously? Stick a needle in my, woo, I mean, in my eye. I, I guess the, uh, the theory is if you're dead, it won't hurt. But think about that. Making this oath, even when you're a little kid. Or what about this? Anybody here ever testify in court? Okay, I've been under oath a number of times testifying when I was a firefighter and a paramedic. I was in court a lot. And they asked this question. Do you swear? Do you promise to tell the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Now, why do we have to swear an oath? Here's the reality. Because we lie. That's why we swear an oath. Now, here's, here's a quick survey. All right? I'm going to test your honesty this morning. Have you ever? Have you ever? And you get to raise your hand at the end of it. So... Let's see if any of these apply to you. Have you ever lied to a police officer when you were pulled over for speeding? Have you ever made an excuse for being late to a meeting that was not entirely true? Have you ever denied what you said or did just to keep out of trouble? If you're a parent, have you ever told your kids that it was past 8 o'clock just to get them to go to bed? Now, if you have ever deliberately deceived somebody in your entire life, raise your hand. And if your hand's not up, it just proves the point, right? Why, why is it that we lie? The Bible says we have a heart problem. We have a heart that is deceitful. And, and this is interesting. You know, as we grow up, we sometimes get a little more sophisticated in our deceit because everybody knows that a promise is non-binding when you do what? Yeah, cross your fingers. And you can even do this to even be more deceitful, right? Or ever see this one? <laughs> now, here's, here's the thing. We live in a world where truth-telling is absolutely necessary. We could not navigate this world if nobody ever told the truth. And here's how we, we think about life. We want people to tell us the truth. Isn't that true? I want people to tell me the truth, don't you? But, on the other hand, we want to reserve the right not to tell the truth when it's convenient for us. And this is really the background for what Jesus is teaching because this is what Jesus is doing in this sermon. He's saying, look, this is the way it works in the world. And here's how it works in the kingdom of God. And there is a big difference between the two. And so Jesus is describing how things work in the world when he talks about oaths. Now, look at verse 33. It says, again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. What's he talking about? Well, in Jesus' day, there was this, this common teaching among the Jews that if you said, I promise to help me, God, man, you better keep that oath. And the idea was this, if you said, I promise to help me God, God just heard you say that. And so God is a witness against you. So if you said the words, I promise to help me God, boy, you better come through and do what you said. However, there were loopholes. If you swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or by your own head, <laughs> that's a non-binding promise. It's like crossing your fingers. You know, I, I could say, uh, hey, Mike, Mike, I, I swear by Jerusalem, I will sell you this property. But if I didn't use God's name, hey, guess what? I can 
renege on that promise. I can just lie to your face. And Jesus is saying, you know what? This is ridiculous. This is just flat out wrong. And this is, this is what Jesus says in verse 34. But I tell you, don't swear at all, either by heaven for it's God's throne, or by the earth for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it's the city of the great king. And listen, don't swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. So what is Jesus after? He tells us in this next verse. He says, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from where? The evil one. Now the evil one is a reference to who? Satan. And Satan called, Je Satan called Jesus, I just flipped that around. Jesus called Satan the father of what? Of lies. And so with his words, Jesus is inviting us into an entirely different kind of life where we simply and consistently tell the truth. We live in the truth. And friends, this is important. It isn't just that we need to tell the truth to each other. We need to tell the truth to ourselves. And we need to speak the truth to God as well. And why is that? And here's, here's the answer. Because truth-telling builds a foundation of trust in our relationships. You can't have trust in a relationship that's not built on truth. Now look at these words. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. And this is before he went to the cross. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And notice this. He says to his disciples, if it were not so, I would have told you. Now what is the implication? Jesus is saying, look, disciples, you can always trust me to tell you the truth. And in fact, Jesus' best friend, the disciple John, said this about Jesus. He came from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. And when Jesus was squeezed by life and by circumstances, what came out of his heart? Truth. The truth just came out of him. When he appeared before Pontius Pilate and was being questioned and, and he was being beaten, when all these things were just crushing him, what came out of Jesus was the truth. But what happens to us? when we're squeezed by life or circumstances, what comes out of our hearts? It's not always the truth, is it? It's like the little boy that was memorizing Bible verses and he got them mixed up and he said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. And, and think about it, isn't, isn't that how we think about truth-telling and lying? I mean, when it comes to lying, God doesn't like it, you shouldn't do it, but man, if your back's against the wall, it's a nice option to have. But here's the problem, and we all know this, that deceit destroys relationships. Nietzsche said this, he said, what upsets me is not that you lied to me, but that from now on I can no longer believe you. And friends, we've seen this in our lives. We know that when there is not truth-telling between a husband and a wife, it erodes the trust in that relationship. When there is not truth-telling between a parent and a child, and it flows both ways, it erodes the trust in that relationship. It happens with brothers and sisters. It happens, listen carefully, with pastors and churches as well. But here's what Jesus told us, and it is so true, that when we speak the truth in love to each other, it builds a foundation of trust. And if you've been through the experience of a relationship that was broken, because the truth was not told, there's only one way to rebuild it, is to consistently and simply tell the truth going forward. And here's something really important for us to realize. Take a look at this 
statement on your outline. Truth telling should be motivated by what? By love. In fact, this is our verse of the week. It's on the card inside your program, and it says this. Love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like who? Yeah, Jesus, the one who taught us these things to speak the truth in love. Now, let me ask you this. Can you be motivated to tell the truth to, to someone by something other than love? Can you be motivated to tell the truth to somebody without being motivated by love? Listen to this story. There were two men who worked on a large ship. One day the first mate, who did not normally drink, became intoxicated. The captain, who hated him, entered in the daily log, first mate drunk today. He knew that it was his first offense, but he wanted to get this guy fired. The mate was aware of what the captain was trying to do and begged him to change the record. The captain, however, replied, it's the truth, and in the log it stays. Well, a few days later, the mate was keeping the log and concluded it with, Captain sober today. Realizing the implications of the statement, the captain asked that it be removed. In reply, the mate said, it's the truth, and in the log it stays. Now, can you use the truth to hurt somebody? Oh, absolutely. Can you use the truth to get even with somebody? Yeah, is that what Jesus is after? No. He says, when you speak truth, it should be in someone's best interest. When you speak truth, it should be because you love them, and you want to build them up, not tear them down. And church, that is so incredibly important. And here's the last thing that I want you to see this morning, because I could talk for a long time about this topic. But here's the last thing. Truth-telling requires a commitment. It requires a commitment because we're going to be pressured to lie. Every single one of us. We're going to be pressured to avoid the pain of telling the truth. And here's the reality. We live in a culture where lying is epidemic. Ever hear these... Uh, Hear these statements? Hey, the check's in the mail. Give me your name and the doctor will call you right back. Leave your resume. We'll keep it on file. Your money will be cheerfully refunded. Really? Check out this Bible verse. It says, and stop lying to each other. You have given up your old way of life with its what? Habits. Each of you is now a new person. Friends, listen carefully. We've been talking about this in our men's group. How is it that our hearts really change? It begins when we come face to face with the truth. And we have to admit our struggles. And we have to identify the lies that we are believing and replace those lies with God's truth. So listen, how in the world can we become a church filled with people who simply and consistently speak the truth to each other? How does that happen? And here's the answer. It requires a transformed, tell me, what does it require? A transformed heart. And the question is, well, how do you get a transformed heart? A heart that, that really does speak the truth in love. A heart that works hard to build trust and to keep promises. How do you get a heart like that? And here's the simple answer. You need a close connection with Jesus. The teacher who changed the world and the teacher who today still changes hearts like yours and hearts like mine. Let's pray. God, thank you so much this morning that Jesus came to be our teacher, that he came to tell us the truth. And Lord, it was the truth about everything, about ourselves and about you and about this world we live in. 
And Father, today I pray that you would help us to do this. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to become these consistent truth-tellers. God, help us to speak the truth to ourselves and to others and to you. And God, we know this, that when we come to this place, it's not just to listen to what you have to say, but to actually put it into practice. And so God, maybe today we need to go to somebody and confess that we haven't been completely honest with them and ask for their forgiveness. Or Lord, maybe we need to come to you and say the same thing. But God, I want to thank you today that, that you've told us the truth. And God, I know that this morning as we come to celebrate communion that there are all kinds of things going on in people's lives. Lord, things that, that we never thought we'd have to deal with, things that have caused a lot of pain and confusion. But Lord, the truth is that you're with us. The truth is that you're for us. The truth is you will never, ever let us go. And God, I want to pray this. As we, as we come to this this celebration of your faithfulness and love, I pray, God, that you would deeply encourage each one of us with your truth that will transform our thinking, our behavior, by transforming our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.